You're listening to episode 88 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. My name's Andrew. My name is Eli, and welcome to the first day of December. Yes. Wow. This month could not have come fast enough, I think, for many, many of us and our listeners. Yeah, I'm feeling it. The ambiguity of COVID-laden holidays is upon us, has been, and is only continuing. So That was a great statement. Enough about that, because who wants to hear about that? But if there's one thing that the holidays at least brings out for Americans, I don't know about other countries... But if there's one thing that we do on the holidays, it's drive. Nice. Is that right? That is very true. I Boy, mean, I, I tell you what, Christmas Day in my memory is always associated with driving to my Christmas my Day. House. Oh, because you got to yeah, go visit. That, that's right. And we we're at the point now where this year we're actually, yeah, we're going to be driving to see both families on this on Christmas day. I mean, when, you know, when there's in, when there's in-laws and all that stuff, it can get complicated. No offense to the in-laws out there. You know, the heaviest traffic today in the U S you know what day it is? Uh, usually it's, isn't it the day before Thanksgiving? Yes. I knew that was the heaviest air traffic, but is it road traffic? Same thing. Uh, as far as I know, last I checked <clears throat> from the, from the peoples. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know what the heaviest traffic day in Russia is, but this is uh, does bring us to our topic today, which is driving in the North Caucasus, which is now, I'm glad to say, I'm sure you're way gladder to say, something we both have practical experience in. My wife is way gladder to say. <laughs> I don't know if gladder is a word, but she's it. I can tell you that. Oh, man. Oh, I got this is a, a I tell you what, this is a, like, Speaking from the depths of our daily <laughs> life experience in the North Caucasus oh, episode. But, you know, we're still both of us, you know, within, or I guess I'm a little over a year old of, of a driver in Russia. So this right. is still relatively new. Yeah. Definitely new for you in your, in your hoopty cattywampus thing that you got going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just shake my head and nod to that one. Uh, smile and nod. Um, you know, uh, not all countries are created equal when it comes to safety of driving. Mm. And, uh, you know, there there's different kind of rating rating systems out there. Unfortunately, most of the, uh, you know, the, the most unsafe places to drive are on which continent? Huh. Um, most unsafe? Con- if it was continent, I would probably say Asia or Africa, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So like uh, of the top 15 <laughs> that I'm, that I'm looking at, most of them are in Africa. Sorry to say. Ah, okay. But I can tell you that according to this rating system, Andrew, I have driven in, in the second most dangerous country to drive wow. in, in the world. Which, according to their list, is Thailand. Oh, wow. Okay. And in fact, I didn't drive this particular highway, but I was with a group in a bus, and the driver's like, oh, you should, uh, I don't know what, you know, they're like, if you get car sick, take something, because we're going over Death Highway today. 
We're like, I don't popular, know if motion tourist trend. <laughs> I don't know if that. <laughs> I don't know if motion sickness uh, medicine is what we need to be considering <laughs> here. But <laughs> oh man! But but we're here to tell about it. Well, and uh, if the Caucasus itself was a country, maybe it would be higher up on this rating. Um, that's a good point. Now, of the top fifteen most safe safest countries to drive in, where do you think the U.S. falls? Safest in the top fifteen. You know, it's hard to say because the driving infrastructure is great as far as highways yes. and roads, but like the number of accidents <laughs> is extremely high on on the infrastructure. Yeah, we don't make it in the top fifteen. UK yeah, you comes know, in at number four. <laughs> As um, safest. Okay. Huh. And Sweden, number three. Number two, Federated States of Micronesia. And number one, as we all knew, Monaco. Huh. <laughs> this, says, this says, despite not having national laws re- regulating seatbelt wearing, child restraint, mobile phone use, or drive, driving while <laughs> under the influence of drugs... Monaco tops the list as safest country to drive in, probably due to its tiny population. So I guess they it beat really depends the odds. On, on how you measure things. So is Monaco like Prague, where they don't even let people drive their cars into the city? Like they have to. That's yeah. Could there's, be. Th- there's got to be some kind Th- that of that like, would really here. lower the yeah the the make it really <laughs> safe to drive in if you couldn't drive in it. <laughs> Man, well. um... I am happy to say this is big news coming from our family, but after living here five and a half years, we finally purchased a car to drive locally in the Caucasus. That's my coffee shop snapping clap for you. Yes. Um, It was a long time coming, and let me give a little context here before, because I've been roasted by lots of people for waiting this long. Um, But just so you can understand my my very... uh, What's the word? Systematic way of thinking. Um, <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, you know, we moved here in 2015. We had two kids. The part of town we lived in, which is you guys live near to us in Pityagorsk, but it's pretty walker friendly. Oh, and yeah. we, especially those first, everything. the first couple of years we could walk. It was a quick walk to the university where we had class and I was teaching English. And then our kids preschool also was very close walking distance. And then the public transport system's pretty decent in Pityagorsk. And then especially once, you know, when we moved here, they didn't have Yandex here, which is like Uber with the app. So we, we definitely had lots of adventures, you know, calling the dispatcher, miscommunicating, waiting forever for a taxi who <clears> then <throat> would reject us when he saw we had kids. Yeah. Um, but especially since Yandex was introduced here, uh, that has really made it convenient to get around the city. Listeners, if you're feeling the vibe of, oh, this sounds like a really well-rehearsed set of reasons that maybe Andrew has given to another person many times, I don't think you're far off with that feeling. I kind of Anyways, think Christy might have, might have heard this litany. We, of, uh, <coughs> we had a third reasons. kid, and then... Um, the scales begin to tip. I told Christy, <laughs> if we... If we have a fourth kid, we will get a car. And She's I like, think this let's is do it. I think this Sorry, is my fourth kid. This, this is, is why a, you were born because mom <laughs> wanted a car. It tipped the scales. I will say that. <laughs> if but it takes we are having a fourth kid. I'll do it. 
<laughs> we we are pregnant with our fourth. <laughs> and so that finally got the wheels turning. Um your wheels turning. Yes, my wheels. That's right. So um anyways, uh we got let's see. I want to say it was early October is when we actually ended up making the purchase and the car being in our possession. It's a sweet looking car, dude. So should we back up a little bit and talk about how you got there? Yeah. Cause, and let's talk, why don't you, what's your context too? Cause you've lived here a while as well, but you, yeah, you for, bit for the us. bullet a lot, a lot quicker than I did. Uh, well, that's true. So we also lived in uh pity So same context with small children and walked also to a nearby uh, preschool. Um, we really like walking. My wife is, uh, likes walking and, and would rather take a long walk, even kind of carry groceries. Um, a, a lot of it was financial for us. We just didn't have the means to get a car for a while. Right. A lot of it too was, you know, what we would need a car for, like going to the grocery store would take as long with a car right. as it would just walking there. Yeah. Um, it was really when we, uh, I had the opportunity to start looking at moving to uh, Dagestan. <laughs> and after I made a couple visits there that we said, okay, <laughs> I think we need to prioritize this. Um, the long and the short is we felt that we were not really willing to put our family in the hands of taxi drivers mm. in, in public transport in Dagestan the same way we were in Pitigorsk. Yeah. Well, we and, wanted to to yeah. have the the higher ground of defensive driving because yeah. uh, the belts. fact is yeah. Yeah, the Car fact seats. is it's it's just rougher over there. And you know, in our few years in Pitigorsk, 3 years, it went from you could pile in with kids on your lap in a taxi and people were like, I don't worry about seatbelts to taxi drivers demanding you have seatbelts, demanding you have car seats, people saying you better have your seatbelts on when we go around, you know, by by this police stop, like the whole culture of, of, I feel like traffic safety went up in a lot of ways. It's improved. Yeah. A lot of cars have kid seats now. Um, and even from a logistical standpoint, like once you have, once there's five in a family, which you guys had, and which we have now, you have to use two taxis. You can't use one. It becomes, yeah, and that was our last year living there was like, if we wanted to go anywhere, it was a two-taxi circus, yeah. two-taxi tango, I like to call it. <laughs> and it didn't always work. So, it, you know, these things are surmountable and sort of the flavor of life. But um, when we went to a, a drastically new place, we felt we, we wanted to, to do that. So that's where we were. Well, Eli, I remember when you guys bought your car, you oh, regaled us with the tales <laughs> of the search process, which was the best part of every, all of it. So well, this is like, I mean, you just learn so much about a place when you're looking to buy a car. So let's, let's talk a little about that because you and I both have some good stories to share. I'm sure. And please share my stories for me if I don't remember, you know, because I, Different things stand out to different people, but I mean, you, where do you start? You know, you're like, <laughs> you're, you're in a, a, you're, you're a stranger in a strange land. And so right. you've got to like lean on your friends and, you know, you really find out who your friends are yeah. and that kind of stuff. 
So, yeah, so that's a great place to start. I would say there's lots of things when you live in a foreign country and here in the Caucasus that it's good to figure out on your own because you need to learn how to communicate with people. You need to kind of like do it at least once to kind of, you know, take the nerves away, sure. the edge off. Like you go to the market by yourself, you stumble over buying pickles and eggs and just right. like deal with it. Yeah. But buying a car is one of those <laughs> it's things. not one. You need to run to your friends and say, please help me not screw this up. <laughs> yeah. And your friends who, who kind of wave that off like, nah, you'll be fine. You're just like, say thank you and move on because there are people who get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we had you know, advice from a lot of people on a lot of different fronts. So, uh, you know, the place that we started is where all good purchases begin in Russia, which is on Avito. <laughs> and avito.ru is the eBay Craigslist right. of, it's really the Craigslist of Russia. And it's thorough. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's got everything. You can buy everything from cats to houses on Avito. Mm-hmm. And even cat houses. Um, so, you know, I started searching on a veto. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be so hard because you see so many different cars coming up and it looks so good. Um, I think the first one that really caught my eye was this beautiful, looks beautiful, uh, Volkswagen Caravelle. You know, I really wanted a four by four minivan was really what I wanted. Okay. But then you have to specify a few things. If you want a four by four minivan, A... I mean, it's like any car you buy. You got to decide what, how old are you willing to buy? Yep. And the absolute most recent van in my sort of desired category was a 2002. Oh, wow. I mean, in my price range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, and my price range was not, it was moderate. And it was like 2002, like the car out of the gate is almost 20 years old. That's rough. And then, of course, you have mileage which I quickly learned means nothing <laughs> if, <laughs> depending on where you buy it. Yeah. Our, our, our friend who helped us was always just like add 50,000 kilometers to that. And I'm sitting there like, what add? And then you, you're like, well, let's see, why could that be? Or maybe he means sort of like euphemistically because of how much use. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, their standard expectation is that unless it's from a reputable, like someone's, Dialing back the Adama. Right, right. Which to me is like, whoa, that's a crime. Like almost like only like super shady people do that. And it's like, eh, sort of it might be very common. Oh man, wow. We I I definitely learned Avito, this website, in and out. Uh and there there were two other sites uh that we used as well. Um, but <laughs> I remember we started with like this small radius around Pitigorsk wanting to, it just got, we we pretty much (laughs) by the end had all of Southern Russia covered looking. (laughs) My my coworker flew to Moscow with friends. Right. It was cheaper and better for him to take his friend and then drive the 30 hours back. Wow. To get a car that was newer, lower mileage and from a dealership. Man. What was the, so other than, uh, so in your, the price range for you was a little bit of an issue. Then you kind of hit, you were only finding older models of your ideal vehicle. Were there any other like big obstacles? 
Yeah, so uh, the mileage and just like getting in a range of like, is this just going to, I'm going to like sit in the driver's seat and all the like sides are going to pop off. Trying to get it out of that range <laughs> into, um, yeah. Then there was the 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 steering wheel being on the left side of the car, which apparently uh, is very no. negotiable for some people who shall remain unnamed. Because <laughs> for me, my wife looked at me and she's like, "I will never drive the thing if it has a right hand drive steering wheel." And you can get them; uh, like you can just get all these cars that are right hand drive. So for us, right. that was a. And then there's a question of stick shift or automatic. Yep. And my wife doesn't drive stick. Well, she does now. She she has started to. But uh, way I to was go, way like, to go, Holly. Uh, and I get super idealistic. I'm like, I want a four wheel drive minivan that's stick shift. And people are looking at me like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we. We kind of set our ideal as well with our friend who was helping us, um, and we realized the one we're the one thing we're going to have to just be okay with is having a right side uh, steering wheel. Which because, because well, what were your other non negotiables? Because we needed seven seat belts. If right. we'd wanted eight or more, we would have to go up. You know, which obviously we should have done because for, now yeah. we have to sell our car. So, so for us, our <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Our non-negotiables were we want a van with at least, you know, three rows. Some of them have six six seats. Some have eight. Uh, we wanted Russian plates was a big one, Russian license plates. Okay, but would, we have to explain that because that doesn't make sense to people. Like, of yeah, course so you get Russian plates. Basically, in the last couple of years, there's been this way for Russians to kind of – it's kind of a loophole in the system to not have to pay, pay – big customs taxes, import taxes on vehicles, foreign vehicles. And they'll get, so they'll get shipped. A lot of Japanese vehicles, especially will get shipped all the way to Armenia. Russians will drive, uh, through Georgia to Armenia. They'll through their contact there, get it registered there in Armenia. That's the key. Yeah. The contact keep going. And then they'll bring it back to Russia and not because it's a, and even they will like be able to figure out a way to get some kind of, you know, temporary registration in, or maybe even residency in Armenia. And then they'll drive the car in Russia on Armenian license plates. Okay. I mean, everything you just said is like a total <laughs> jerry-rigged nightmare for a local, right? It's right. like they have yeah. to show that they live in Armenia and they have to or they, at least we, the car the car owner lives there and they pay taxes there. Yeah. Okay, so you and I have a mutual friend who's been on our podcast who was really he's like talking oh, to me. He's like, "I can get you this he can get in the van of my dreams. <laughs> New from Japan, blah blah blah, probably right-hand drive, but you know, and and it'll be Armenian plates. I was like, uh, I cannot imagine that will go well for me because I'm a foreign. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. And I was like, well, okay. So I was thinking about, I asked him, how does it work? And I got <laughs> this explanation that was like, well, basically, <laughs> basically it's on loan to you from the owner in Armenia. And I'm like, yeah. I'm done. I'm just, I'm walking away. It's like, no, I mean, it's totally cool. I was like, I'm going to have some paper with a stranger. I just could not. I know. And then, and then you get, you know, it's like recipe for how to get totally caught up with law enforcement as well, a foreigner. I know. And then what happened this year, it was June or July. 
uh, there were some issues in the country where they started, there were rumors they were cracking down, cracking down on the Armenian plates. And they were, you know, saying like, you either pay a $10,000 custom tax or we're taking your vehicle. And, uh, everybody in, uh, in the area was panicking. Some people were like hiding their vans in their garages, like (laughs) others just stopped driving them. It kind of, there was a month where it was really intense and then it kind of passed. It seems like, I, I don't really know. I heard different rumors, but, and it's not just Armenian plates too, by the way, there's cars you see with plates from Abhazia. Abhazia, um, yeah, that's another one. And so I, what, in our search, what happened was, yeah, South Ossetia, that's right. Uh-huh. We started basically on a video in these search sites. I just stopped looking at all Toyota Alphards, that's Toyota right. Voxies. Who has ever heard of a Toyota Alphard? P-H-A-R-D. None of us has because it doesn't exist over here. That's right. They're Asian market. They're kind of the Asian market, more box box style. So there's all these vans you've never heard of, and they're all white. Why are they all white, Andrew? Did you ever (laughs) see one that wasn't white? Every time I like make different colors. No, every time I like it caught my eye or drop looking around like, oh, there's a nice big van. It's white. It's probably oh Armenian plates. Yeah. Every time (laughs) I don't know what that was. So like the four of the main foreign vans here that were from Japan, Mazda, Toyota. And Nissan, oh. I just I stopped looking at the ads because I knew they would have Armenian plates. That's right. So that leaves you with what vans? Hyundai, Hyundai Grand Star X, which we didn't want because it was diesel. Oh right, diesel. That was the other thing I forgot, yeah. Andrew. I got to jump in on this. You have either your standard fuel, diesel, or it's gas in Russian. How do you say that in English? Gas. Natural gas. Natural gas. Yeah. Okay, uh, we have to explain. This is crazy. (laughs) So, first of all, there is a retrofitting that people do here where they take a pressure tank, strap it somewhere in the car, could be under the car seat. Usually in the trunk. In the trunk. Yeah. Like, takes up all your storage space. And then they add another nozzle on the side of the car, and you can stop and fill up pressurized natural gas in this tank. Yeah. Which... You know, I've never, you know, I don't know if anyone whose cars is blown up, (laughs) but I just look at that thing like, except in the movies. Well, right. So, and it's, it's like half the price of gasoline. And that's why people do it. It's to save money on gas. It doesn't give you the same power, but if you're commuting and puttering around. Okay. So I didn't really want to go for gas. I was like, okay, if I'm really convinced I can retrofit it later. But the other thing is everyone I talk to about driving Dagestan, they're like, don't get diesel. Oh, okay. Why, why not? They said, because the diesel over here is dirty. Huh. And somehow Dagestan gets the cheapo diesel that's got like sand and crumpled up like, you know, Ritz crackers in it. And <laughs> you have to know like the guy who has the clean diesel. And it was one one more of those barriers. I was like, a diesel car could open up this set of possibilities, but I, I like, I can't, I just like, I can't live with that ambiguity. If my right. engine's gonna like grind to a halt in one year, yeah, I'm not like that's not a good well calculation. And, and my, from all I saw too, the diesel, the Star X was the main one. It was the most expensive too. It was just out of our price range. I love the Star X. <laughs> so I that really basically, we we really wanted a, a preferably Ooh. Japanese van. Uh, and, uh, that basically left us with the Honda Stepwagon. It's called. 
step wagon. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Honda step wagon. <laughs> step but wagon. All the reviews we read and from it's all great. the searching our friend did, he was really excited about this kind of being, if we could find the right one. So this is what happens here. It's like negotiation like times a thousand, you know, you come in with what you think you want and you get, it gets whittled down by the realities around you and you're, you know, and you find out like when push comes to shove, what's going to hold for you. So you ended up with a, with a step wagon. We got a Honda step wagon. Yeah. And our friend, just big shout out to our local Russian friend, Vanya. He was such a big help. Like he was a natural negotiator. He in general was knowledgeable about cars anyways. Um, they have three kids as well. And so like he, he really understood what we were looking for. And like in typical, you know, Caucasus fashion, he did everything he could to make sure like we got the best possible car. Yep. Um, and That's like, right. just so thankful for him. He was, you know, he called lots of people for us. He went and looked at cars with me, without me. Um, and that, also was a big whittling down process. What looked good on the site, he'd call a person and not feel good about them, you know? See, this was so key. Uh, it's right. what, uh, what I call in, in um, what we call in, uh, in ethnographic studies or like field studies, a voltage transformer. Huh. I mean, basically, like we're on different, you know, voltages. And as well as you get to know the host's voltage, like you need that person who can go between. And we had the same thing. We had one guy, our good friend, Yuri, who took time away from his family, away right. from his work, hours and hours, multiple days, driving me around, looking at duds and giving me advice. He's very optimistic. So like everything we looked, he's like, that's good work. Okay, okay <laughs> let's, let's dig down a little bit on this good work. Yeah. Actually, but, but then he would get a feeling Huh. And he'd be like, "Don't do it." Like I mentioned that, and and our also uh, Temple Lot. He was another one of my advisors. He was on our show right. down in Nalchik. That's where that that caravel was. And I called him, and I was like, "Will you call this guy for me?" And he called him, and he's like, "Don't do it." <laughs> like, why? It's so beautiful. The mileage is so low. He's like, "No, it's not." Like, <laughs> oh, Lot had a great line to you about the buhankas. I remember. Oh my gosh, that's right. So. So I got so far down the line that I was considering all these <laughs> different options. <laughs> like my friend Yuri, who is a big outdoorsman, I told him, I was like, Yuri, I want to go for a four by four car for my family. And he broke in this big smile and shook my hand and hugged me. He's like, oh, my brother. Yes. And I was like, I'm even thinking about a buhanka. And the smile went away and he looked at me. <laughs> And he just went, no, no, that you, you have a family. You can't do that. <laughs> so, so, so the Buhanka is this Soviet era style bus, like a VW bus, round headlights, right. metal dashboard. So stripped down. Super stripped down, like, like, like switches, you know, like chick, 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 switches in there. <laughs> like you can clean out the inside with a hose, yeah. you know, and, and I've only seen them used for post, post office trucks and ambulances. <laughs> Why they're used for ambulance. I don't know. And our good friend, um, Andreas is travel company. Well, that's the <laughs> epilogue for me. Cause I'll tell you what, uh, hope, hope, uh, 
what is it? Lives eternal. Springs so, eternal, yes. Yeah, springs eternal. So so he's like, you can't do this. It's like an army vehicle that has no comfort. But I'm mean, sitting there like, you can bolt those seats in there any way you want. You could stick <laughs> 10 in there, and it'd be great. And it's four-wheel drive, and the thing never, you know, yeah, you need to get under the car a lot. Anyway, so he talked me down off the shelf. Um, and I mentioned this to Tembulat. I said, Tembulat, I'm even thinking of... <laughs> Of a Waz, which is the company that makes uh, the Buhanka or a Gaz. What did he say? He said something like something like they're evil, they're pure he, evil, or something. Oh, it's like he said. Hey, that's right. He said the brand Gaz is like that is an invention of evil Russians to uh, <laughs> torture people. That's what he told me about that brand of cars. <laughs> and I'm like. So you don't think there's a hope? Because I got to tell you, I was at the gas dealership and I was looking at this brand new, it's basically a cargo truck right. that had like a little space in the front for passengers. I'm like, we could put car seats in here. They've got seatbelts oh. and everything. No power, like no, it had power steering. It was diesel. I turned it on to, to drive it. I felt, I was like the wheels on the bus go round. <laughs> I, mean, I felt like I was driving a school bus. Amazing. And it had this like, I don't know, 50 cubic or bigger than a 10 by 10 by 10, like a hundred cubic foot thousand, whatever, like cargo hold in right. the back for what? Like our and picnic lunch. Listeners, I, it was Buhanka, totally... Buhanka when translated means bread loaf. So it gives, <laughs> it gives you an idea of what it looks like. Um, it's so exactly awesome. like that. Um, but Andrew, now we know Andreas and Sveta. And what they do is they overhaul these bohankas and right. turn them into cool yeah. campers. It's a I'm great like, idea. I I I I just had this conversation this week with some friends who were like, no, don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, what if we just went for the bohanka? And Holly, my wife, was like, Can you imagine me putting the children <laughs> in the army bus and like driving somewhere and getting the infant out and everything. And unfortunately I can, I mean, like I can, it's like, I'm already a foreigner. Anyway, that's another conversation. We are yeah. not even into our outline here, Andrew. You know, one of our funny, uh, Cox's stories of one car, we, uh, our friend Vanya did find a good, uh, he found a Honda step wagon, uh, in a set. I just keep thinking of Steppenwolf. Do you know the band? Like, I don't know them, but, uh, this guy really wanted to sell it to Vanya, but, he apparently on the outside everything looked good, but on the inside he had transported <laughs> sheep before, <laughs> and so like literally the whole interior was just torn up with like sheep hoof prints just everywhere, <laughs> you know, nicked, dinged, scratched, and Vanya was like, "We're not buying that car unless you come down two hundred thousand rubles." Nice. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a new on cars.com I think there's a, a checkbox for for uh, you not having transported yeah yeah farm animals. Um, that's the kind of thing that happens all the time here. You like what was it used for like oh I used to carry bricks in on the leather upholstery like uh, no I mean you have to like get the history you know. Yeah. So we ended up I'll say um we you know it took us about two to two and a half months of searching. Yep. And you know, there were times we thought we were really close. We were really close in a Ford at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks so beautiful. And we took it into a mechanic and he just was like, you would have to put so much money into repairing this. Like they, they didn't take any good care of it. And 
So it was like an emotional roller coaster, but we ended up with honestly, probably our best case scenario vehicle. And really the only compromise we made on it was a right hand side steering wheel instead of left hand side. It was automatic. It was fuel. (laughs) And honestly, like it hasn't been a big deal to get adjusted to. It, I believe that, and I believe that especially in Pitygorsk for city driving. I think know, that that would be right. a pretty a pretty tame place, and relatively the, speaking. The main thing people say is on the highway, if you're passing people, it's dangerous because you can't Terrifying. see around the car. But if you've got somebody in the passenger seat, they, they're looking for you, you know? Like your so, wife? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we ended up, basically, we took a day. Uh, we ended up, we got it in a small town in Creston, uh, Cry. And, uh, you know, there was some drama that day too, with figuring out insurance and getting it done. But we left early in the morning and we got back late at night. And two days later we got on the insurance in Pitygorsk and it was done. And there it is, man, we, I have been kicking myself for having waited that long to get a vehicle. (laughs) Well, um, I bet your wife is happy, but is not, I bet she's not rubbing it in your face. No, she, uh, we've, everybody's been happy. It's been great. So, well, yeah. So we ended up, it's interesting looking at what, where you guys started, what you ended up with. We more or less ended up with what we wanted. Um, what about you guys? Cause you went a different direction. Well, I went in the direction of like, we've got to do this. So, and like, I can't, I mean, we had a bit of a time frame for when we were moving. Um, and I was using my friend's, you know, time. I mentioned that to you. And, you know, the things that I wanted, I'm sure many guys experience this, you know, especially family men. Like, I wanted something that I felt like had a little something under the hood <laughs> that I could at least take into the mountains, you know, that was going to last. And, I, and, you know, you also go into things like this with certain rules in your mind. You're like, I won't consider this because of X, Y, or Z. And so I started revisiting some of my rules. One of them was obviously I'm not going to buy a Russian car. Uh Like that was just assumed from the beginning. I would, I mean, I told you, (laughs) look at the cargo trucks and stuff, but, but I meant like, (laughs) that's a slippery slope as you found out. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the idea was, no, you get a really good secondhand, like, Japanese car, right. Japanese that Korean, just got yeah. it under the hood for two hundred thousand miles, easy, and save yourself all this and that. So, I came around to a big switch of you know what? If I bought a new Russian car, I would have a solid two or three years before it started running into the problems that many Russian cars are reported to have. Right. Right. So we ended up finding a station wagon, a Russian station wagon by Lada, which is probably the best Russian brand out there. Yep. And what are, you know, 80% of the cars on the road, yep. <laughs> probably Lada's. Yep. Um, and I got it, uh, it was a year after, like it was a 2018 that I bought in 2019. Yeah. So the price was automatically down 150,000 rubles. It was on a dealer's lot it was a little bit luxed up with, well, one of the luxury features was this. Um, <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> was this automatic starter that they, that they fit these things with. They're so popular. People love them. But it's, I think the idea, 
is you can start the car from your, you know, house or your apartment and it runs and warms up or whatever, but I could not get my car to turn off because of this thing. I would oh, turn wow. the key and take it out of the ignition and my car is sitting there idling. And I'm like, wow, I got to turn the car off. I, I eventually figured out how to use it. Um, but, uh, and anyway, I felt like it was the right, you know, the right choice, the right price, and the timing worked out. Yeah, and and in your defense, yeah. you know, uh, it, if you talk to people about Lada's, especially the station wagons, a lot of people say they are extremely practical for around the city. Uh, and it's like it's definitely one of the most common cars you see on the road here. So in that sense, I, I mean, do, I do think it's it a good choice in a lot of ways. Is. And you know, like I said, practical was not on the top of my list, even <laughs> though I'm a family man. But well, and, it gave no. us good safety reviews. It gave us airbags, you know, uh, analog brakes, a lot of stuff that the, you know, its cousin, the Buhanka, doesn't <laughs> yet have. Very distant cousin. <laughs> Very just several times rem- removed. Uh, and another thing, Andrew, I'll say just for me personally I really don't like status symbols and a lot of cars here, people are super into status symbols. And of course I would love to drive like, you know, a Land Cruiser would be amazing. It's a tank and da da da. But I don't really want to draw that kind of attention to myself just in general. So I kind of was happy with getting something that, that people drive. Yeah, Yeah. You know, and I, and I think it speaks a little bit to kind of our intention in being here. When people see me get out of a lot of, you know, if if I were to get out of a real flashy foreign car, I think people could draw a lot of assumptions about me. That on a step wagon, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty much as flashy as it comes. Yeah, but just in the you know, you know, what I'm saying slightly in a direction right. that well, I, I don't I don't really want. And there are tons of just to give context. There are there are so many Mercedes, BMWs, and Audis on the road here. I mean, they're everywhere. And I don't, and I don't know how people pay for them. Yeah. I mean, that remains to me one of the mysteries that I shall never plumb. Yeah, so I I'm, we, I mean, it's great. It works great for us. We can, you know, still cram all of our people into it. We have a, a roof rack, a little blob on the top. Yeah, and with your but, kids' um, age, I think everybody fits pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still pretty small. And, uh, you know, my, my I'll just tell you, my first experience in a lot of Largus was in a uh, car share a blah, blah car ride from Mahachkala seven hours back to Pitigorsk after I'd been there on an apartment searching trip. Uh. And, you know, you go on the app and you say when, and these people say they're going to have <laughs> these rides and three times. Anyway, I won't go, but I finally found the guy at the market. It's teeming with people all around coming, going. And he's like, so I found him and he puts me in the back seat and first we have to stop and pick up fresh fruit the, the Largus has about 14 inch deep trunk space. I mean, it's uh-uh. just the space between the back seats yep. and the, door. the car. The yeah. door. So they packed in boxes of what? Fresh peaches <laughs> in this space and they just crammed the door shut. Oh man. Then they picked up another person. So in our seven seater car, we had eight adults. Oh my goodness. And so this eighth man. Goes in the back seat with me and another man where there are two seatbelts. <laughs> so I'm in the seven hour ride and everyone's like totally cool with this. And there is this 
Yeah. Anyway, it was, it was, it showed me that the, actually that they are the roomiest seats, the back seats in the Largus. Wow. We, we've had, mm. we had a really adventurous experience with Blah Blah Car at, with our family as well. Actually coming from Georgia all the way to Pitigorsk. We will probably never do that again. No, I, I highly recommend never use Blah Blah Car in Russia. The first time I used it, I was left at 1220 a.m. in a desolate <laughs> part of the city and no one came or answered their phones and I had to this hightail is, it to the train station. I've heard this from, I, I've actually heard this from several of our listeners who have kind of bootstrapped their way around the Caucasus where a Blah Blah Car didn't show up. Yeah. It looks so good, I and know. it's just, it, it's not. You have to have a number of a person who answers, and you talk to him yeah, and say when and where. All right, let's, let's talk about, about what it's like to actually drive around here, man. Wow. Um, I will say, so uh, one of the first things Christy and I right away um, w- was a huge learning curve were the traffic circles in Pitigorsk. And really all over many. the Caucasus. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, they are. They're very uh, popular. We initially named them the circles of stress. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in the States, I, I see them now, at least where we're from in the Southeast, they're becoming more common. But, like, we had never driven or in on traffic circles before. That's same for my wife. D.C., they're everywhere. So I grew up with, like, multi-lane traffic circles. Huh. But the rules are different in every country. Like I, the first yeah. time I was in Western Europe in, in Paris, you know, the traffic circles, you can go to the Arc de Triomphe and just set up a folding chair and watch the traffic. It is so amusing. Wow. I mean, it's crazy what they do there. What did you have to learn about traffic circles in Pitygores, Andrew? Uh, they all have different rules. And so uh, <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're entering and especially if you're entering and needing to go around part of the circle, that can get really dicey really fast. But why? But why? Because in the U.S., who has right of way? I don't know. I don't know in the U.S. The circle. <laughs> circle if always you're in has the right circle, of way. Right? You always have right of way. Uh, and when you're in France, the people entering always have right of way. Hmm. In Pitigorsk, it depends on the entrance. <laughs> yeah, and the sign. And the sign. So there are these signs, and once you realize they're there, you realize that. Thousands of them all over the city you never noticed. You know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. It's the right-of-way sign. And every intersection has a little, if you have the right-of-way, there's a little yellow diamond with a white border just right there. And that means you have right-of-way if there's a question. And you don't see it. It's just this benign little sign. But you'll go into a traffic circle where you have right-of-way going in, but then at the next entrance, you have to slam on your brakes in the circle because they've got the right-of-way coming right, in. Right, right. Of way. And I've found, like, just and I've driven around the city a bunch, ridden around the city, but now driving. And we've driven already multiple different places in the region. But I'm often more looking at my Navigator app uh, helping uh-huh. me with where to turn and what speed to go. <laughs> and so like, I'm not even paying attention half the time to road signs, which has like got me in some pretty sticky situations. <laughs> well, and they're all different. Yeah. You know, I mean, different from, from us and even uh, other European ones that from speed limits to, you know, random like lines crossed out by other lines. You're just like, what does those bunch of lines mean? And you, you know, actually, Andrew, I've got a little tip for you and for our listeners that I just discovered. Okay. If you are wanting to learn Russian road signs and get the sort of experience of driving a Russian car, there's actually an online video game called Russian car driver. Ooh. 
It is I'm, just what it sounds like. I'm genuinely interested. It is this little, uh, you know, 3D, 3D <laughs> screen, and you have a little Lada hatchback. And all you do is just drive around. And I think if you do it long so enough awesome. and go to the right places, you go up in different the different kinds of cars. I think you can get a Waz, like, Patriot or Hunter if you go up high. <laughs> but all the road signs are Russian road signs. So, so I'm going to go ahead and put this link in the show notes because uh, Please do. this is... If you if you think it sounds boring, it is. But <laughs> I I did end my last game by getting arrested and driven off the road broadside <laughs> by a police car <laughs> driving me into a tree to stop me. So it I don't think it gets like nasty, you know, like Russian <laughs> car driver. Oh my goodness! Better to happen on that game than in real life. Amen. Wow. So circles of, circles of stress for me. We, we've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable here with those. What about for you? What was like one of the things for you that was big learning curve? I would have to say the biggest thing for me, it's the biggest learning curve and the thing I like the most, but it is um, the communication among drivers and what <laughs> things are communicating what. Yeah. And um, even between Pitigorsk and Dagestan, it's different. Huh. But uh you know i think in dagestan like driving is all is driving is about probably one thing more than anything else and it's not safety and it's not transportation <laughs> do tell i think in dagestan driving is like number 1 about honor ah uh. And I had this pointed out to me by an astute friend. Like, I'm driving and this huge, you know, like I said, Land Cruiser just like cuts me off. And he's like, look, he is of higher honor. And he, <laughs> you know, he's saying this with like a smirk on his face, but it just like all came together. Like wow. people drive according to the status of their projected status of their vehicle. And they drive in a way that like reflects their honor. So I totally lose points when I lose when I lose my cool. Like if someone uh, cuts me off and I honk, I'm the loser. Uh huh. Interesting. I'm the loser because it got to me. Yeah. In the U.S., if someone cuts me off, I'm like, A, it's wrong, B, it's illegal, C, it's unsafe, and D, it annoys me. <laughs> like, you idiot, you know. Feel the wrath of my horn. Feel the my wrath. My extended uh, horn honk. Ah, you just do it just long enough so they know you're really, you shouldn't mess with me. You know, it's like this thing. Um, and yeah, but but there it's like, People will be do just these really rude things and then look out their window and give you a little like, okay, man, cool, man, like little wave. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, steam is coming under your collar. And what you just happened? Like, oh, dude. So I, I, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole new thing. So like lanes in, yeah, in the Caucasus is very much very I mean, fluid. The, the line, the the quote from from Pirates of Caribbean, you know the the it, 
what is it? The code. The code is more like guidelines, you know, when Barbosa says that in the quotes. You know, it's like lanes are much more like guidelines in the caucuses, even oncoming lanes. But here's what I like about it. So people are le- going left and right and, zo- you know, and they're just, you never know if someone, yeah. our friends call it frogger. You know, you just <laughs> don't know what's going to come in front. But here's what I like, Andrew. Everyone's on the same page. So people don't like flip out or go crazy if you, if you do something a little bit out of, you know, a little bit out of the lane to get around something or if there's yeah. a crazy pothole or a cow or something it's like, yeah, it's cool, you know, we can we, you know, it's very negotiable. Mm. And it's actually <clears throat> way chiller in a way than driving in the US to me. Yeah, that I think in that sense I think you're right that um yeah, there's less expectation of, you know, everybody stay in your lane and this will be a very smooth experience. And because people's we're, le- expectations- We're very literal, yeah, yes. Yeah. We're very by the book, by the letter, which I know Western listeners are like, <laughs> and the problem with that is what? Like, it's not that it's a problem, but it, it does, I think it makes for like, just, so here's an example. <laughs> I had the opportunity before COVID hit to visit my little sister in the States uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for her new baby. And I was driving, it was in California. And so I'm, I'm at an intersection, traffic light in the left-hand turn lane, green light. I don't have a left turn arrow, right? Yep. So I'm waiting for the oncoming traffic for there to be a break. Right. And there's a car coming toward me and they haven't gotten to the intersection yet. There's still a ways. And I'm just slowly drifting into the intersection yeah. because I know they're going to pass and I'm going to go behind them. But they saw me drifting and they like, like slammed on their brakes and their whole car is like, boing, 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 you know? And she just like looks at me with this, like, are you an idiot? And I realized like, I'm breaking the rules here because I'm like, (laughs) You know, sort of drift. Anyway, it just reminded me, like, okay, here you wait until it's your turn to go. Huh. Hard to describe. Yeah, I've definitely learned in a one ra- one lane road that I need to be very observant about what part of the lane I'm driving in. Yeah. Um, because there's a good chance I'm going to be passed, and it yeah. actually could be on either side. <laughs> and so I've like, I've really learned to not let my guard down. On Ever. what would seem to be like an innocuous place to just drive drive forward, you know? <laughs> All right. What is something that just drives you nuts about how people drive? Just Let's just be honest. I know we're all positive, but come on. I, I will say in general, the thing that now I'm like learning to deal with, because before I would always either be a passenger, I would always be a passenger. And so uh, if you get pulled over by, you know, city road cops or at, throughout the call, some of these more federal checkpoints. Um, that's a, that's a, not a, not a small, not a, not a small if. Yeah. But if you're a passenger, like essentially like you might just have to submit your passport information or show them your passport and that's it. Only at the federal stop everywhere else. The the driver's hundred percent responsible for talking to them. If there were Mm -hmm. possible any infractions, if there were alleged infractions that didn't actually happen. And now for the first time, I'm having to be the one who deals with this. And so, so yes, like in general, that was, I remember the first time ever in Eastern Europe where I saw a cop pull somebody and that person didn't do anything wrong, but it, 
that's how the system works here. The cop pulls you over with their little black and white baton. And yep. then they, then they often look for something to try to yep. say, say you did wrong. And so and that, and that's in there. I mean, that's what it is. It's a roadside check. Like yeah. a lot of them are just safety checks, but that's what they're doing. They're kind of. And so like f- coming from the U S that has always kind of like stuck in my crawl. Cause like <laughs> they're not, <laughs> do you know that phrase? Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always annoyed me. Cause I feel like, Oh, you're not actually, you're, you're looking to find something you could like turn the screws on a person on. Instead, instead of like actually, you actually caught them doing something wrong. You know, the only thing I can think of that is coming to mind, I can I can practically feel it <laughs> from that phrase you just used, is a wedgie, and I don't know what it's supposed to mean, <laughs> but like it just feels uncomfortable. Yeah, the the police stops are part of life driving here, right? Yeah, and if if you are not used to that, it is it can be pretty jarring. Have you developed any strategies? Um, to help those stops at all, Andrew? Well, if my kids are with me, I always just automatically roll down all the windows so they can see children. Because uh, <laughs> sometimes that can be your past. Like we, we were, we, I drove two of my kids up into Karachi uh, Cherkesi into the mountains a couple weekends ago. And on the drive home, uh, we got pulled over. It was just a roadside in a small town. And the cops walking up and I roll down our kid's window and they're both sleeping, actually. Oh, and uh, there we go. he looked at them. He introduced himself like he normally would. And then he looked back at them and was like, I trust all your documents are in order. And like a oh. qu- quiet voice, not to wake them up. He's like, have a good day. Uh, so like other times, though, like they don't care at all. You know, they're like, yeah, they yeah. want to have a conversation. So, yeah, I <laughs> also this past weekend, we drove through a federal checkpoint and I rolled down the window so you could see my kids. And he's like, roll your window up so your kids don't get cold. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it, I was like, I think that's his way of acknowledging, like, all right, you guys probably aren't up to anything bad, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. And, yeah. you know, they they check. You know, they look in your car and with our nine cubic inches of storage space in the, in the, in the Largus, there's not much to find. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's true. I think that's one thing I kind of like about having a station wagon that looks like every other station wagon is I just look like, you know, a guy driving yeah. his car around and not anything special. I would say for me, the biggest downside to driving is that where we are, part of the honor thing is every now and then just like flexing your, you know, <laughs> flexing both cylinders of your of your Lada. And people will, you know, go from one stoplight to the next and just try and break the sound barrier when, you know, in between the two red lights. (laughs) Between the two speed bumps. (laughs) There are a lot of crashes in Dagestan because a lot of lights get run. So you got to be on your guard. You got to be a defensive driver. And, you know, we've never had any real brushes, but you see it, you know, uh, news stories and stuff. And it's just, it's, I remember when I first visited Dagestan, we were in traffic. I was in a taxi. It was the first time I'd really heard Les Ginka. And it was just this like huh. mind rattling music. And the guy was like shaking his knee. And in the car in front of us, they had their back bumper sticking out of their back window because it had come <laughs> off or been hit or something. 
And I just put two and two together. I was like <laughs> listening to this sort of you know frantic music. I was like, I think I'm, I think I understand something about about why that bumper's you know sticking out of the back window. And um, but I do think I think it affects people sort of sort of how they drive. So fortunately, we've been we we've been safe on the road and and had a good time driving. Yeah, really glad to hear that. Um, and that you know, there's so many areas of life when you move to a foreign country that. It's when you start doing something for the first time, it's like, it's a whole new experience again of like experiencing that culture and driving is definitely one of those things. And I've lived here, you know, five years, I'm really comfortable, uh, in the Caucasus, but like, I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm, this is a big area of life. I'm having to start totally over in. Yeah. And you so just, like, you just arrived again for the first time. Kind right. Of. Right. Um, sure. but big, uh, I will say in my case, uh, big shout out to my friend Vanya just went so out of his way to help us. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. been checking in on us. Um, that was like, you know, we've been here a while and he and his wife, they're some of our probably close, closer personal friends, uh, in the city. And like, it's stuff like that that makes you feel like a place is home, you know? And so I'm, I'm really appreciative to that. And I know your friend Yuri as well was a huge help to you guys. Amazing. I mean, really indebted. Um, cause I just, I, I don't know. I probably have friends who would do that for me here, but it would be a huge ask, you know, you just do your own thing. You take care of yourself. And so living overseas, you have to depend on people and those build some amazing friendships, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So how about, uh, I'd love to hear, we have a lot of local listeners. Um, I would love to hear from you guys driving stories in the Caucasus. What is it? What is it about, uh, driving here that you enjoy, but also maybe frustrates you? We we could get a lot of feedback on this one. (laughs) Listeners, um, hope you enjoyed this. We'd, We'd love to hear from you. We have so many ways that you can contact us now. Um, our Patreon page, if you're interested in financially supporting kind of the work that goes into the podcast for it to continue to develop. Our Facebook page, email us, podcast at caucustalk.com. Leave a comment on our website, on any of our episodes. All of them are there. And subscribe to our newsletter. <gasps> Our newsletter. Soon to be released. Do not want to miss that. How do I just subscribe to our newsletter, Andrew? Uh, There's a pop-up on our website right now, right? There is is a pop-up. Wait wait with bated breath for that pop-up. It should be about five seconds. (laughs) Go about your normal business. Yep. Good stuff. Um, We cannot wait to see you driving in the North Caucasus when you get here. (laughs) 